I think with any professional, the three most important words we should be referring to is reputation, reputation, reputation. Value your reputation. Do something different. Be better than everybody else. Let them chase you. Your competition chase you. Don't be chasing them. Find out what they do. Do it better. Don't do it cheaper. Do it better and do it for more. Welcome to the Construction Disruption Podcast, where we uncover the future of building and remodeling. I'm Todd Miller of Isaiah Industries, manufacturer specialty metal roofing and other building materials. And today my co-host is Ryan Bell. Ryan, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Thanks, Todd. I am doing great. Good deal. Happy to be here. How are you? Glad to have you here. You know, I'm doing well also. We are recording this in the middle of Christmas season, so that's always fun. It won't air till a little bit after that, but uh, cool time of the year. So, do you have anything to kind of kick us off here today, Ryan? Always. I have a few dad jokes up my sleeve. What's Why up? don't other shapes talk to circles? Why don't other shapes talk to circles? I do not know, Ryan. Because there's no point. <laughs> okay, that's good. What do Olympic sprinters eat before a race? I do not know. Nothing. They fast. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. (laughs) I told that one to the kids last night and it turned into this very long winded explanation, trying to get Nate to understand it. (laughs) He just, he was like, I just, I don't understand. What do you mean? Why is that funny? (laughs) Ah, very good. Good way to start us out. Well, I will also remind our audience that uh, this episode, we do have some challenge words going. So both Ryan and I and our guest have a word that we have been assigned at random by some great computer out in the Netherlands. No, not really. But anyway, we've all been assigned a word that we are challenged to work into our conversation. So that gives our audience a challenge. See if you can figure out what our challenge word was when we say it. And we will let you know at the end whether we were successful and what our words were. So um, let's get rolling. Today's guest is Charlie Belfontaine. Charlie is a home inspector and radio show podcast host based in Chicago. Uh, He currently develops and administers training programs for the Home Inspection University, as well as hosts the Home Buyers Hour radio show on WCPT AM 850 in Chicago. Charlie has a long history in home inspection and considerable experience in the construction industry. Um, Charlie, thank you so much for joining us today on Construction Disruption. I'm looking forward to what I know is going to be a great conversation. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate everything. And, you know, it's probably my fault when I sent you the information, but the radio station in Chicago is WCPT AM 820. Zero, so that's eight twenty. That's probably a typo. Well, you know, I have to ask one other thing too, and I meant to ask you this in advance. Am I pronouncing your last name correctly, Belfontaine? You know what? You are perfectly on. Usually, I get Belafontaine or Belafontaine, or you know, I don't know. I, it's it's kind of nutty. I mean, this might be a little inappropriate, but when I was in the firehouse, somebody asked me what that means, and I said it's. French and it stands for beautiful bo- or beautiful fountain. 
And then they started nicknaming me Beautiful Bidet. So, <laughs> you know, in the firehouse, your your so-called brothers, they, they like to mess with you quite a bit. So. <laughs> I love that. Well, and one of the reasons I had to ask is we have a town very close to us here in Ohio that is spelled the exact same way, but it's pronounced Bell Fountain. Which, yeah, I guess it's Americanizes what it is. And just a little add-on to that, it's the first city that actually had concrete sidewalks in the United States of America. That was going to be my next state, but I'm impressed you know that. Man, well, they named the town after me. I got to know a little bit of history about <laughs> it, right? <laughs> there you go. Well, I'm curious. Can you tell us a little bit about how home inspection became a passion for you? I mean, did you just grow up saying, I want to go poke around people's houses when I get old? How did you end up making a career in this? You know, was this something that started early for you or something you kind of fell into? Tell us a little bit about that. I think in my life, I was really early to figure out what I wanted to do early on. You know, so in high school, they actually had a, a cadet program for fire science, right? So by the time I graduated high school, I was, uh, they, there's three levels or there were three levels of firefighter certification in Illinois. So I was at the middle level. And then you had to be an EMT before you could be a paramedic. So I was able to be a, an EMT before I graduated high school and I got the paramedic. It looked cool. It sounded like fun. I did that for 37 years. I ended up, you know, working full time and I'm retired now from doing all that. But, and I enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong. But with the fireman business and, you know, going back a little bit, I did some pretty cool stuff. I delivered five babies. Not many people can say they did that. Absolutely. You know, I did jugular sticks, chest decompressions. I put a needle in a person's heart one side for a pericardial synthesis. I did some really cool things, but that was over 37 years. And then I saw in the back of a magazine one time, you know, be a home inspector, help people buy a house. And I love construction. I love concrete and all that. So I, I took this two-week course back in 1993 when my son was born. And you know what? When you finish doing a home inspection, your clients, they, they shake your hand with the right hand. They hand you a big fat check with the left hand. They look you right in the eyes and they say, thank you. And that is probably one of the most rewarding feelings that I've ever got. So I like building science. I like to figure stuff out. So because of which I wanted to learn more and more about how buildings work and how the systems and components work together. And I found a passion of it. So I've been doing it since 93, you know, so we're coming up on my 30th anniversary for this. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a passion, it's rewarding and being able to, you know, take leadership roles in our state, as far as being the president of the Illinois association of home inspectors, leading our lobbying team, doing the training program. These are all fun, enjoyable, rewarding things. Uh, and I can't encourage people enough. If you like to figure stuff out, this is a great profession. Very cool. That makes a lot of sense, especially with coming out of, you know, fire science and so forth. And, you know, having this fascination with buildings and how they're built and so forth would, would be a natural thing. So I'm kind of thinking back a few years ago, I was called in to do an in inspection or somehow got involved with a house that they thought had a roof leak um, because the uh, attic was completely rotting out. And I discovered in that process that the whole problem was they had a rather 
illicit horticultural operation going on inside the house that had caused all this moisture in the attic and rotted out the attic. The roof was fine. Uh, but I'm curious, any particularly crazy stories come to mind for you from homes you have inspected over the years? I Yeah, there there's a few. The one that I got a passion, obviously, for fireplaces and, and protecting. You know, we, I've been on more than a dozen house fires that were caused by uh, poorly maintained chimneys and flues, right? So I, I learned a lot about them. We actually sent 360 cameras up flues now. It's, it's pretty fun to see the condition of these things. So I did an inspection in Libertyville, Libertyville, Illinois. And I, I can even put the street up there because it's all public record, you know, but I, the house was beautiful. It was a townhome. And um, on Red Top Lane in Libertyville, you could search for house fires at Red Top Lane. And yes, that is where this conversation is going. Wow. The house was beautiful. Everything was in great shape. I got to the fireplace and bricks were loose. Smoke chamber wasn't parged. You could just see damage from above. And I basically told my client, I said, this thing is unsafe to use. We need to get a sweep out here and they're going to probably be spending about 10 or more thousand dollars to get this thing fixed. The sellers, they thought I was a big dummy and they didn't believe me, but uh, my clients and the sellers went back and forth. They finally agreed to get a chimney sweep out there. One of the bigger companies in the Chicagoland area, they were planned on coming out there on a, on a Wednesday. And the Sunday before the Wednesday, they had a family over and they believed in their heart that the fireplace was okay. They lit a big fire. And then the next thing they know is the light started flickering. The smoke alarms went off. They went upstairs to investigate and the top floor was filled with smoke. And the, they got everybody out by the time the fire department got there was through the roof. It was, uh, they, they lost their home. It's sad. You know, my clients who wow. loved that house, they couldn't buy it. You know, so all this happened between the home inspection and taking possession of the house. So that was one of the craziest, you know, things that, and I got chased by a raccoon in an attic, but you don't want to hear this. <laughs> no. Yeah, I, I have my own raccoon stories. They're not a lot of fun. <laughs> no. And even though I'm like 10 times bigger than that or more, they scared to live up a Jesus out of me. <laughs> yes, they do. They do indeed. So, so your other story reminded me of something, you know, it reminds me of that importance of having a professional and taking them at their word and listening to them. Many years ago, I was at dinner and there was a doctor at the table with me and, uh, he was telling a story and, and, you know, he was actually making kind of a light of it, although it's a very serious subject, but he said, you know, I had this patient come in and, you know, I told her, I said, if you don't do this and get this taken care of, you're going to die. And, and. My question was, well, what happened? And he said, well, she's dead. And so, you know, you're absolutely right. You got to, if you're going to consult a professional, you want to pay attention to it. That's for sure. I think that's one of the problems in our profession, though, since you mentioned that, is our bar to entry is just too low. You know, in Illinois, we follow the number of licensees very strictly. And, and we're involved with our state legislator, our legislators. Um, quite a bit and, and pretty intimate with the staff as well. And right now they're issuing in Illinois the 13th or actually just passed the 13,000th license since 2002. Yet right now we have roughly 
1,350 active licensees, all right? So in 20 years, if you think about it, 90% of our population that got our license left the business. Most of the time, it's because they just don't know enough. You know, in Illinois, it's 60 hours of YouTube watching videos, and you get 70% on a multiple choice test. And I assure you that home inspecting is not multiple choice, all right? It's fill in the blank. And then I go back to saying, what 30% do we not need to know when it comes to homes? And which is why I was attracted to you guys, you know, with more your roofing expertise that comes in there. And that's why I wanted to get to know you guys a little bit more. That's awesome. Well, so, you know, talking about that as far as credentialing and certification, what, in your opinion, would be would be the credentials of a qualified home inspector? It's hard to say. I mean, the amount of knowledge and education is amazing. When I first started this, I was in my early 20s and, you know, just past my teenage years. And in the teenage years, I knew everything. All right. And the older I got, the dumber I realized I became. All right. And you just don't know what you don't know. And, you know, granted, even with the training programs that we do, we cover most of this stuff. But it still doesn't retain in an adult's brain, all right? So, you know, it goes back to the reader, write it, say it, do it, touch it, feel it, smell it, use every sense that you can in order to permanently remember something. And then you take that and then you add in what it takes to be a licensed electrician in this state. It's five years of schooling and on-the-job training. And I need to correct myself. Our state does not license electricians. Chicago does and the suburbs though, but that takes five years. Um, HVAC is four years of schooling and on-the-job training. Plumbers are licensed in Illinois and they're five years of schooling and on-the-job training. Then you add on there the roofers, the framers, the installation contractors, the concrete pourers, the window installers, door installers, cabinets, flooring guys, drywall guys, you know, I could go on and on. We're, we're talking years and years of knowledge and education to, to be able to communicate properly and identify issues where it comes to it. So it doesn't come in 60 hours. So I really don't know what the right answer is. Everybody's different. What we did was we lobbied for and got a field exam um, for people in order to get their license here in Illinois. Now, it's not implemented yet. But we're very proud of doing that. So we're going to have them go into a house and they have to find a certain percentage of issues that are present in that particular home in order to be able to pass this test. So it's still all being put together, but we're very proud that it's going to make our profession better. Very good. Well, as I recall, there are some trade groups or associations of home inspectors that seems to me I spoke to a group several years ago, might have been called NASHI or something. Yeah, it's, there's an ASHI, A-S-H-I, that okay. stands for the American Society of Home Inspectors. And I pronounce it NACHI, you know, the National Association of Certified Home Inspectors. That's that's the one, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, and I'm, I'm a training partner with them. I'm actively involved with them. As far as ASHI goes, I used to be the vice president of that organization. I was a director, committee chair for a long time, but... What I like about Nachi, and I'm not here to sell one over the other, but Nachi really goes out of their way to help people enter and remain in this business. They put a lot of 
value into their association membership. And I greatly respect that. You know, the best way to, the best way to improve our profession is for you to share as much knowledge as you can about what you own. So, and they do that. And I try to do that. Well, speaking of which, I know that you do training with home inspectors. Uh, Curious, what is your favorite thing to train them on? Me personally, it's electric. I just, yeah, it's, you know, especially when you, you talk about grounding and bonding and the difference between the two and the similarities between the two and why we do it. And it's just fun to see the light go on over somebody's head, you know, especially when they have the passion to learn it and they want to learn. Well, over your years in this business, you know, things obviously have been speeding along. I'm curious, what changes have you seen in home inspection or perhaps maybe things that you pay more attention to now than you used to? Have there been anything like that? You know, for me, it's always water entry into the building. So we have 10 inspectors in our company and, you know, we, we want to provide the best service, obviously, as we can to our clients. And, and we believe in making a big, long list, you know, not the short list. And even if there's past water stains that are dry, we're going to document all those things. But you want to get the fastest complaint from a client, you let water come into that building and they're not aware that it might happen, you're going to receive a phone call. And that phone call is going to start with, if you would have told me, you know, I would have done this. So it's, uh, yeah, our clients that choose us, they want to know and... And that's, uh, yeah, we try to focus as much as we can under the roof lines, under the bathrooms, kitchens, basements. We have a lot of those here, but then we run into a lot of condensation issues and people don't understand, you know, the theory behind bypasses, air movements, and how you can go ahead and bring a whole bunch of moisture in the houses just by difference in temperatures and reaching dew point. It's amazing. Yeah. So something you said there, so your clients are able to select you as the home inspector? Yes. Where you're at? Because I think, I could be wrong, but I think here in Ohio, we are assigned kind of randomly and we don't get a say in who the home inspector is going to be. And it's a shame that you said that. I don't believe it's true in Ohio. I do have a lot of home inspector friends. And what happens is the real estate agent community they're the ones that build a relationship with the home buyer first. So they have yeah. the, the know me, the like me, the trust me portion. They have that all built. And if they built their trust with their client, then they pretty much guide them to the attorney, the mortgage broker, the home inspector, and so forth. So maybe that's why you're feeling that way. Okay. But this, you know, I'm going to start waving my flag here. This is the great United States of America and the the biggest freedom we have is that freedom of choice. And you could choose your home inspector as well. You know, the good news is in the <laughs> Chicagoland area, we have 7 million people in the surrounding area. So 80% of the referrals to home buyers come from the real estate agent community. But 20% of 7 million is still a lot of people. And I was able to market directly to the consumer, and that's worked very well with us. And now I'm trying to build relationships with high-producing real estate agents that value the type of service that we provide. Does that sound sales pitchy? <laughs> no, it sounds like a good way to go, though, for, for you and then also to protect the homeowner, protect the consumer as well. 
Exactly. And I, and um, I value each one of these inspectors that bought into this mindset because it is different than what most home inspectors do. I, you know, this sounds rude and mean, but I'm not here to appease a real estate agent. I'm here to appease my client. And I want to, you know, and when my, when the real estate agent wants the client to have as much knowledge as possible, now I have a good business partnership. And that's going to work when we both have that same mindset. Very good. I'm curious, you know, as you've been out on inspections over the years and undoubtedly thousands of them, I'm sure you've seen some real egregious errors and mistakes in construction and, and things. Do you think those mistakes were usually made by professional contractors or by do-it-yourselfers more often? Any thoughts on that? The sad thing, the answer is going to be both. And, you know, I think the biggest difference is the definition that people understand. What does professional mean? And a lot of people hear the word professional. That means they're going to do very good work. All right. But in all reality, professional means I'm getting paid to do this work. All right. As long as someone gives me money, I am technically a professional. And I've seen bad roof jobs by professionals structure mistakes, concretes, you name it, you know, and these were so-called high advertising, high rated companies, but you get one person to do one bad thing and there goes the reputation, you know, and, and reputation is a big, strong word in my mind. All right. I value that every way. It takes you years and years to build up a strong reputation, but it takes one dumb, rude, unthinking action to go ahead and ruin a perfectly good reputation. And that's, that's a problem in our society a little bit, but we, sh- we all need to do the best we can. Yeah. I remember many years ago, I was in someone's house. I, I shouldn't laugh about this. The house is still standing. I know the house. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they, they were rewiring it and, um, you know, I'm looking and I'm, I'm saying, well, what are you doing about the ground wires? And they said, oh, I'm just snipping those off. They don't really do anything. (laughs) I'm thinking, I'm not really sure that's the right thing to be doing here. I couldn't agree more. Which, you know, brings me up. I know your expertise is metal roofing in that. Do you end up, you know, like putting lightning arresters or you end up bonding that roof to anything else? Because I put a metal roof on my house and I did not run any sort of uh, electrical bonding wires to the roof. And then I'm questioning myself, should I get? You know, it's it's unusual to you. You certainly can to the roof. Uh, the fact that the panels are all interlocking um, plays one factor in that. But yes, you know, there are times too that folks have lightning protection. And our general advice on lightning protection is if the house is out in the middle of no place and the tallest object around, it ought to have lightning protection on it. You know, I, I've seen a couple of jobs over the years where the roof did get hit by lightning and it typically hit at the ridge and caused it a little bit of damage, but actually, you know, didn't really cause any fire or any, any lasting damage or anything. Yes, fortunately. You know, I do think it's, it's kind of funny. I've told this story a lot. I, I grew up and my mother was always, whenever there was lightning outside, we weren't allowed in the bathroom or the kitchen. And, you know, that... That house, the old plumbing stacks going through the roof were cast iron. So she was actually very wise in that. And of course, you know, now that's pretty much required to be PVC by code. 
Um, but to some degree, she was she was very wise. And, and I don't think she even knew why she was telling us that, but it was what we were always told. So you stayed out of the kitchen and bathroom when it was lightning. I love it. I know I can make probably about four dirty jokes out of that, but I'm not going to. Okay. Well, that's, <laughs> you know, we, we are always trying to get explicit ratings here on the show. That <laughs> is always one of our goals. <laughs> I will avoid that. <laughs> Inspecting roofs, though, I got to say that that's like one of the more difficult, especially metal roofs. Sure. Um, I actually bought these cougar paws. Oh, yeah. That have magnets in the yeah. bottom of my, you see, you've heard of these. That's cool. And, oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, when my roof gets wet, it's still slippery. I almost fell off my roof twice and um, trying to blow the leaves out of the gutters and stuff like that. And and I'm like, okay, I'm not the first time. Oh, that was just, that was a fluke. You know, the second time, okay, that was stupid. You know, we're not going to be doing that anymore. So now it's, I look for different avenues and, you know, to do inspections of roofs. And I mean, low, slow basketball sheets, shingles will get up on those. But otherwise, yeah, we're droning. I remember we went for a hot air balloon ride in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I saw a swap cooler. So we lowered down the balloon so I could see what a swap cooler looks like and and stuff up closer. And then my partner, Corey and I, we said, Hey, look, we're inspecting the roof by, by hot air balloon, you know? So you get all those unusual things. The next thing, and and I did have another house that had a trampoline in the backyard and I'm like, no, I'm just way too fast to jump on that thing. I'm not going to do it. So. You got to know your limitations. You would see the roof in short bursts, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, right? You know, I feel like Bugs Bunny going up and down or something. (laughs) Well, I will give a shout out, actually, since we're talking about a little bit about roof safety. So there's a guy out there, a company, and they've called themselves uh, Steep Gear, Steep G-E-A-R. And he is uh, coming up with a number of things for roof safety. One of the first things he came up with, actually, is incredibly cool although i think it's you know a lot of guys haven't wanted to wear them but it's actually actually shorts that you wear over your work pants and the shorts have this real not really abrasive but a stickiness on the on your rump side so that if you should start to slide you roll over on your back and it pretty much stops the slide immediately and i know that home inspectors and you know, people who are on roofs, but maybe not on roofs all the time have been one of his target audiences for them, insurance inspectors and so forth. Oh, I love an introduction to him. I think that's a, a terrific product, you know, anything yeah. that keeps people from falling off. We did have one home inspector that was holding onto a chimney, leaning around the outside and the chimney actually let loose right. and he came down, broke both his legs. He, you know, thank God he was alive afterwards, but he was out of commission for probably a year, if not more. Yeah. Yeah. I'll see people go up on the roofs too and, and put their weight on snow guards and things that are on the roof. And, oh, it just always kind of scares me because uh wouldn't take much for one of those to let loose. So I, I'm curious, uh, do a lot of home inspectors, I assume, had started as contractors themselves? And is that ethically okay for a home inspector to still be in the contracting business as well? I mean, is it is it a good add-on profit center for a knowledgeable contractor? I think so. Um, and I think it's okay as well. So it depends on what association that you bring or that you join. Everybody has their code of ethics and then different states have different laws. So here in Illinois, 
if you do a home inspection on a property and you want to give a bid to go ahead and make repairs on a property, you can do that, but you have to, so you have to get permission from your client before they sign your home inspection agreement. So if they say it's okay for you to give bids, then it's okay for you to give bids. You know, other organizations, they say you can't do stuff like that for a year, but you know, to, to really answer your question more accurately, I got to go back to that big, long list of trades that I have. All right. So if somebody's an expert in one of the fields, because they have a lot of experience in whatever trade they're in, that's a bonus for that trade, you know, or, or for that discipline, we still have to learn the other ones because it's, we, we encompass a humongous range of different expertises that come in there. And that's part of the reason why home inspectors tend to get to reduce their liability because instead of hiring the roofer, the framer, the insulator, and so forth down the list, you're hiring one person who's going to have reduced knowledge in all those different aspects, but you get to get that person at a new reduced rate, which also allows them to reduce their liability. This question is entirely off the cuff, but I'm curious, have there ever been any GCs, general contractors who have hired a certified home inspector just to kind of watch over their projects during the the midst of them. Does that ever happen at all? Yeah, we actually have a few investors that, you know, do rehab properties. And that's when you deal with flipping homes or somebody watches a couple of episodes on HDTV or do-it-yourself network. And then I personally hate doing those houses because they are and they're, they're just so bad a shape and just poorly. That's very prejudiced of me. So I, I apologize for that. But for the vast majority of the ones that we do, we find a lot of things wrong. And yeah. so I decided to start building relationships with some of those people and talking with them. And now we have investors that hire us when they buy it. Then they get their crews in there to do their stuff. And then before they put it on the market, we go through it again you know, just make sure that everything's good. And they're thrilled with it because now when they get to the point where they got a buyer and there's a home inspector coming in there, their list is very short because they do take the time to correct the things that we tell them. Well, I was going to say, I think that's interesting in that even to the homeowner that brings, you know, a contractor that says, Hey, we always have so-and-so who is an independent come out and inspect uh, our projects. That brings a lot of assurance to the homeowner. And then extra value added part of the sale to the, for the contractor as well. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize there's two rounds of negotiations in just about every real estate transaction. The first round is when you present the client or present the contract and you get that signed right away. And then the home inspection comes through. And then all of a sudden they didn't know that the furnace was 20 years old or the the air conditioner and the roof and everything else. And they're looking at $20,000 worth of re repairs in the next five years, 10 years, that's a lot of money to some people. Most of our citizens in the United States do live check to check still and sure. getting hit with a five, six, $10,000 bill is, is harsh and finding somebody who's qualified, you know, a, a qualified professional to do your home inspection is important. And I, you know, right now, the only way that I could tell people to find somebody good is start reading reviews. Because everybody's going to tell you they're the best. I'm going to tell you we're the best. 
All right. But it's when other people come back and say, these guys are the best. And then they go into great detail. That means a lot. So, and of course, it's easy for me to say that we got 1,500 plus five-star reviews and we get roughly five to 10 a week, which I love. So good stuff. I'm, I'm curious, are there any trends you're seeing out there in home building or design or maybe remodeling? you know, trends in terms of what homeowners want from their house that might be of interest to our listeners? Hmm. I, I still think it mostly goes to the the old standby kitchens and bathrooms. Everybody likes all the fancy kitchens and seems that's where the money gets spent. But I do have a real estate agent who's working with the developer on the south side of Chicago. And they're tearing down a lot of homes and they're building new homes there and they're not connecting to the gas services. All right. So everything in the house is electric. They end up putting a bunch of solar panels up on the roof. They're dealing with uh, Mitsubishi heat pumps that come in there and those things work all the way down to negative 25 degrees. They're able to absorb heat from the outside and bring it to the inside. And they're able to produce enough power with, you know, feeding it back to the electric company. And, you know, they basically don't even have an electric bill. So no gas bill, no electric bill, you know, for the house at all. And all you're doing is paying a water bill, super insulated. And I, I just hope that keeps growing on and on. You know, I'm a nerd when it comes to free utilities. So if I can get rid of gas and electric, I'm all over it. Well, and I think a lot of homeowners, you know, think a lot about lower operating costs. I mean, we even see that with metal roofing a lot there. They are looking for the energy efficient benefit um, or possibly the benefit of being able to put solar on it. But, you know, their long-term goal is, you know, I, I want to control the cost of operating my home and living in my home. So it makes a lot of sense. Another change that I'm seeing more and more is people are now bringing the attic into the condition space. Yes. And I like that. I did it in my house too. And I'm a big fan. And I know it started with crawl spaces. They were used to be outside the condition space. So now we started sealing and heating those up and it just made a more comfortable home. I don't know what to say. Mm Mm-hmm. No, and that's, that's been a real change I've seen over the years too, but I think it's a positive changes, no doubt about it. I agree. So we believe that a lot of our audience members, Charlie, are, are younger folks. We, we kind of designed this podcast to appeal to folks who may be thinking about entering uh, construction or design or remodeling uh, as a career, or perhaps they're early in those stages. Any general words of advice for folks starting out in their careers in the broad industry of construction or specific to home inspection like you're doing? Yeah, especially for entrepreneurs in real estate, they always say the three most important words are location, location, location. And I think with any professional, the three most important words we should be referring to is reputation, reputation, reputation value your reputation, do something different, be better than everybody else. Let them chase you, your competition chase you. Don't be chasing them. Find out what they do, do it better. Don't do it cheaper, do it better and do it for more. 
Those are great words. Have your competition chasing you. Um, I love it. And you know, other, yeah, yeah, I can't even improve on that. That's great. Well, Charlie, this has been really good. We're, we're close to wrapping up the, what we call the business end of things. Um, really enjoyed this. Is there anything we haven't covered today that you'd like to share with our audience? One thing about these podcasts that, that I know you're aware of, there's 6 million hours of information you want to share that you're doing it in less than an hour. Yes. So, yeah, but what it is, I don't know. <laughs> you're right. The, the, the material is endless, that's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, before we do wrap out, I want to ask you if you're willing to participate in something we like to do on our shows called our rapid fire question rounds. So yeah. this is seven questions we ask our guests. Some may be silly, some more serious. You have no idea, of course, what we're going to ask. Or are you willing to participate? I am willing to participate. Awesome. Well, we will go. Get the bleep button ready, though, all right, just in case. <laughs> we can always edit. So we will ask you, we'll alternate. Um, Ryan, you want to go first? Sure. I'd be glad to. Question number one, what is your favorite place that you have ever traveled to? Oh, we just went to Greece and uh, we rented a sailboat Ooh. out there and Ooh. we had a private captain, private hostess on a catamaran and um, it's it's beautiful part of the world. Ah, that sounds, that sounds incredible. Really does. Question number two, what was the first car you ever owned? A 1973 Pinto hatchback. It was orange with a black stripe going down the middle. Oh, I remember and that. And we bought it from a guy. It was a manual transmission. And if I put it in third gear, I couldn't get it out of it. So <laughs> I had to go one, two to four. And um, <laughs> yeah, it was a chick magnet. <laughs> We just kind of learned what we had to do with those cars in those days. <laughs> Live with it. That's right. All right. Uh, favorite Chicagoland restaurant. Dang. Chicagoland restaurant, my favorite place. Boy, I can't. Berghoff. That's what it is. And it's in the downtown loop. They have the first, they have the first liquor license issued in the city of Chicago. So their license number is number one. And, um, I just like old places, all right? So you get me some place that was built in the early 1900s or late 1800s, I'm all in. Here's a little side question. When you go to places like that, do you find yourself inspecting them in your head? Oh, my God. Yeah, it, it's a haunting, horrible side effect of being a home <laughs> And it doesn't matter where you go. Your eyes are all over the place. The worst I place figured. to be is in yeah. a friend's house or family member's house. Cool. Because you just want to go, what are you going to do? What are you going to do about, what are you going to do about their roof leak? You know, and, and you just got to bite your lip and shut up. <laughs> it makes sense. Good stuff. Question number four. What would you like to be remembered for? Helping other people, you know, just making an effect in someone else's life. You know, thankful that this person was here to help me, whether it's starting a new career, buying their home, you know, whatever it is, just somebody to remember that I helped them. Awesome. <laughs> How much would someone have to pay you to eat a sardine straight out of the water? A million dollars. There's no way in the hell I'm going to eat a one of those. A million. 
<laughs> so we know there's a price. Now we have to negotiate what it's going to be, right? Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> that's a good one. Okay, next to last question. What is it? And I already mentioned earlier, we are recording this here in the Christmas season. What is your favorite end of year holiday tradition? End of year favorite end of year holiday tradition. I, um, you know, it, it's my family. I love these guys. You know, they are a pleasure to be around and it's amazing. You know, you hear a lot of people complain about their family members and even in the firehouse, you know, we would call each other brothers, you know? And then I'm like, yeah, just don't treat me like my brother. Treat me like a friend. You know, I prefer that better sometimes. And, <laughs> but my family is wonderful. I love them and they love me and just getting everybody together in one room is pretty cool. And I like the fact that we do that for Thanksgiving and Christmas. So awesome. Well, I hope you have a great Christmas coming up. Thank you. You too. All right. Final question. Name one person that you would want to have on your team in a zombie apocalypse. Well, one of my favorite movies was Zombieland and rule number one was cardio, right? So I don't do cardio. So it really doesn't matter whoever that person is that's on my team, they're going to be alone because I'm going to be eaten by the zombies pretty gosh darn quick. <laughs> but I, I would say that the gentleman's name is going to be Jay Reardon. Jay Reardon was the fire chief uh, where I used to work. And he started up what we call our mutual aid box alarm systems. And he's got so much federally funded cool equipment that's locked up in a town called Prospect Heights over there. So if the zombies do come, I'm going there and I'm going to get inside one of those heavy-duty tanks. And that's where <laughs> I'm living. Sounds like an awesome plan. The fact that I'm thinking about it is a little crazy. It should scare everybody. <laughs> you know? Oh, so recapping our challenge words, we were all successful. Let's see. Ryan, you got yours in there last minute. Your word was? Sardine. Well, you, good job. A good job. And you said in the question, I thought, where did he come up with that question? <laughs> well, that's awesome. Uh, my word was speeding. Charlie, you had the word trampoline. Trampoline. And, and I didn't catch it either when you used it. I even commented on it, didn't realize that, oh, that was his word. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, good oh, job. You worked that in so well. That was, that was great. I was very impressed with how you worked it in there. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, Charlie, this has been a pleasure. A lot, of, a lot of laughs and good times as well. Thank you. So for folks who may want to get in touch with you, uh, what's the best way for them to do that? My company's name is Chicagoland Home Inspectors, and our website is www.thehomeinspectors. That's plural. That's O-R-S, and it's a dot .com. Our telephone number is 312-544-9180. If you listen to the message on there, you're going to see that if you press number two, that you will be able to talk to an actual human being. And that actual human being is me, that it comes straight to. So I do like to keep personal with our clients all the time. Um, you're welcome to visit our home inspection site. Most of our online stuff we keep free to anybody. So if you're interested in learning more, about what the home inspectors should be knowing, then that's at H-I-U-I-L, Home Inspection University of Illinois, and that's also a .com. Very good. Well, thank you so much again for joining us. 
And I'd like to thank our audience, too, for tuning into this episode of Construction Disruption with Charles Charlie Belfontaine of the Home Inspection University, Chicagoland Home Inspectors, and also the Home Buyers Hour radio show. Please, I encourage you, watch for future episodes of our podcast. We always have great guests. Don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or YouTube. Until our next episode, though, change the world for someone, make them smile, encourage them. Powerful, simple things you can do to change the world. God bless. Take care. This is Isaiah Industries signing off. Until the next episode of Construction Disruption.